This is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to do? Oh, come on. I'm with you. So, thank uh, you. Yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we'd agree on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio. With thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Here's Todd Bergath. Hey, thanks for joining us on the podcast once again today. Alan Horton uh, joins us via the telephone from the Twin Cities area. Just back from New York City, Alan, and and, and a road trip that covered, uh, you know, the last uh, several days finished on a high note didn't start out that great however yeah what a way to finish it I mean that yeah. was the most uh you know to to date that was the most crucial game uh up until the next one um you know had the Wolves lost that game there was a danger they were going to fall to 11th and out of the play-in um had they lost and then Utah won it turned out Utah did win a little later in the evening and so uh th- th- that made it crucial for the Wolves and Mike Conley told me after the game is like you know, we realized this was the most important game so far. And, and they recognized the sense of urgency they needed to have. And um, even when that game got a little sideways, the Wolves built a nice 17-point lead, but then it got chipped away. They trailed by five with about four minutes to play. They finished the game on a 16-5 to run. They, 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 they stepped up in the game's biggest moments. They got a lot of big performances and um, an absolutely crucial win because you lose that, you're, you're in 11th. Now you're looking up. Um, it will have one home game and then they got to go back on the road and they're facing Golden State, Sacramento and Phoenix. And you're like, well, you know, I know they had a successful West Coast road trip a couple of weeks ago, but it's it's asking a lot going up against those three teams who are also battling for their playoff lives. So um, crucial, crucial must win last night. And they, they found a way to do it. You know, legitimately, the Wolves could finish anywhere from they, they could get fourth. That seems a bit of a stretch. Three games back with with ten to go, but they easily could finish anywhere from sixth to twelfth in the Western Conference. I mean, there's a lot of big games coming up. It's really playoff basketball right now. And there's a lot of different scenarios too, yeah. which um, you know you almost just have to. I mean, I, I, Chris Finch has preached this the last couple of weeks that you know we just have to take care of ourselves. We just have to keep winning. We have to you know. Not we can't rely on anybody else. We have got to win games to give us uh, to give us a chance to get to where we want to go. And um, yeah, there's nine games left, and you're and you're still in the eight spot. Uh, it's you know it's it's a brutal it's a brutal part of the schedule too. You only got four home games left, uh, five on the road, and um, you know it's going to come right down to it. But that's what makes this game great. It's what added to the excitement last night was that it was such an important game. And you know so often Todd, it comes down to you know, who, who wants it more? Who needs it more? Where's the sense of urgency? And when you look at where the Wolves were and their situation versus what the Knicks were, you know, they had won 12 of 15. They're mm-hmm. kind of coasting right now. I mean, they're playing good basketball. There's no doubt about it. They had won 12 of 15 since the Josh Hart trade at the deadline. Um, they were really looking up. But, you know, the, the sense of desperation, oftentimes the more desperate team wins. Chris Finch has said that multiple times mm-hmm. through the years. And I think it bears out. Um, it doesn't guarantee you're going to win the game. You still have to do all the things necessary to win the game. But sometimes, and, and the other thing too is when you play these close games and you have these bad losses to Boston and to uh, Chicago, those two in particular jumped mm-hmm. out. You can even throw the overtime loss to Brooklyn in there. But those two games were particularly tough. But if you play enough of these close games, these clutch time games, it, it, it has the basketball gods have a way of evening things out. And, you know, it was time for the Wolves to win that one last night after after the way the last previous couple of games. They had lost three straight in clutch time and uh, probably should have come away with two wins, but they balanced it out with this one over New York. 
Yeah, and Torian Prince was very vocal about the fact that, no, he, he failed uh, against Chicago. He felt bad about a, a turnover there at the end of the first overtime, and the Timberwolves didn't uh, execute at the end of the regulation uh, either. So he, he kind of had said he had that on his mind, but not in a bad way that he wanted to get after it. Boy, he sure did. Uh, what I saw a stat, he's only the seventh player in NBA history to uh, make every three-pointer with at least eight attempts. So quite a, quite a list he puts himself on there. What a game he had. He was awesome, and I, I think he would have even put up bigger numbers if he hadn't been in foul difficulty. He had five fouls, and a couple times had to come out, um, you know, because of that foul issues. But uh, the Wolves had a number of players with foul issues. But I think that's always it's it's funny. It's like that's such a detriment because you have to keep making changes and you have to sit guys for particular periods of time. Wolves had I think at one point four, you know, in the first half they had four players with three fouls. Uh, but I, I think it's actually a good sign for the Wolves because it shows their aggressive level. Yes, they're fouling a lot which you don't want to do, but it, it shows that the mindset they have of being aggressive. Um, and I think that pays off in the long run. And, and Torian Prince is just, you're right. I mean, he made, he made a costly mistake in that Chicago game. They had the ball and a two point lead in overtime shot clock is very, there's some debate about whether the shot clock was on or off. I still have to look that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, either way, you know, the, the Wolves didn't have to do anything. They didn't have to shoot it. They just had to bring in the front court, and not turn it over. And Torian, I don't know if he lost track of the score or what happened, but um, he had the bad turnover. Chicago ties it, forces double overtime, and wins the game. For him to come back two nights, uh, two games later and put up that kind of performance um, in that kind of a must-win game, um, you know, he's just – I saw him earlier in the day, and he's just like, hey, we got to – we we gotta we gotta get to the playoffs, man. We're here to get to the playoffs. Like he was he was already fired up, I think, a little earlier in the day. And for him to come out and have that kind of a performance, twelve of thirteen shooting, that that's hard to do. And he was just especially when you're taking eight threes in there. It's not like he got all layups in that game. Um, he hit all kinds of shots. He was he was awesome. And the Wolves really needed that because it was just the second game this year without Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. Um, and I thought Jalen Noel was big off the bench. He comes back after missing 10 games and really provided a little spark. And you just got so many good performances. I thought Mike Conley was sensational. Uh, Rudy had his moments. Jaden had his moments. Um, just really, really, every time you think you have this Timberwolves team pegged, they do something different, right? Like the offense was really struggled. Fifth worst during this six-game stretch where they had lost five of those. And then they come forward and shoot 60%, and then they put up 140 points. Um, you know, a team that looked like it was on the ropes, and if they had lost that game, the, the season may have been in doubt. Uh, all of a sudden, they win it, and all of a sudden, everything's completely turned around again. It's just, it's uh, it's been crazy to see the ups and downs this team has had this year. And doing it without Anthony Edwards, who is, uh, is it the last three games? When did he hurt the ankle, Allen? He hurt it Friday night in the first quarter mm-hmm. of Chicago, so it really feels like three games, yeah. but technically it's only two. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm not even going to ask you about injuries because it seems like they're fairly secretive in the NBA these days about uh, players' injuries and when they may or may not come back. But he seems like really kind of a warrior player and, and will try and get back as soon as he can. But until then, it's guys like Prince and others that have to step up and do some scoring. Yeah. I mean, if, if you asked Anthony Edwards, he wanted to play the other night. Mm-hmm. He, he was ready to go. And, uh, you know, that's where... That's where, uh, you know, you don't let the player have 100% of the decision there. The medical yeah. staff does have some say in this. But um, there's some hope. Uh, nothing's official, but there's some hope that both those guys might return on uh, tomorrow night against the Atlanta Hawks at home. So it could be uh, it could be a Towns and Ant return together, um, which would be a big boost in front of a big crowd and a big game. You need to win this one before going back on the road for three. Um, so even if it's not on Wednesday, 
uh, there's some serious hope that it would be on the weekend and maybe at Golden State on Sunday. Must listen radio coming up for sure here. We've been a Timberwolves affiliate since day one and, and uh, still uh, to this day. And now we uh, uh, be great to have uh, hopefully a stretch run toward the playoffs here. You know, you referenced all the great shooting. Well, that was the case for the Knicks, too. Uh, I mean, 57 points for Julius Randle. That has to be really a strange feeling for him to have a career game like that. Third, third most points ever scored by a Knicks player and lose uh, a little tough yeah. to take, I'm guessing. Yeah, that's the most points the Timberwolves have ever allowed to a player in their mm. franchise history. The previous mm. record was uh, Tony Parker at 55 in a double overtime game at Target Center uh, a number of years ago. Uh, but 57, he had 52 through three quarters. I mean, 26 in the third quarter, um, Julius Randle was red hot. And, and I think when you have a player who's that hot, you always run that risk, right? He played the entire third quarter. And he's so hot, you almost want to let it ride, right? Don't mm. take him out of the game. But they took him out of the game. He sat for like four or five, I think about five, six minutes hmm. uh, before he came back in. He, 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 a, I think he cooled off a little bit. B, the Wolves kind of ran a double at him a couple of different times just to get the ball out of his hands. That kind of threw him out of his rhythm. And then I think he was just one for five shooting in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, only had those five points and turned it over once. Um, so the Wolves, you know, they let him have 57, but they, got a, they come away with the win. And as I said earlier, I think after the Atlanta win uh, last week, it's, you know, they they were okay allowing Trey Young to score. And Trey had, I think, 40, 41 points in that game, if memory serves. Um, it doesn't matter, like, you know, in the, win, in the win-loss column, it doesn't show up, oh, the, the opposing guy had 62 points or 41 or 57. That doesn't matter. It's about getting the win. And if that means one guy scoring all that, hey, great. As long as you come away with the win, that's, that's the goal night in, night out. And, and I mean, there was not a lot the Wolves could do. Julius Randle was hitting just everything. I mean, he's fading mm-hmm. right, he's fading left, he's leaning in, he's hitting threes, he's hitting mid-range shots, he's getting to the rim, he's drawing fouls. I mean, he just he had it all going. And for the Wolves to overcome that, I think, um, uh, you know, their defense doesn't probably, you look back at that game and say your, your defense was awful all night long. Well, it wasn't awful in the fourth quarter, especially in that 16-5 to run to close the game. That's what I was just going to ask you. Was it just great offense, or was there a little lack of defense last night? Yeah, probably a little bit of both. I uh, uh, feel like it was probably more just great offense. It was really, uh, it, the game started 42 points in the opening quarter, and, and the Knicks put up 32, and we were off and running. Oftentimes, when guys are just hitting shots, it's contagious, not only amongst the team, but um, for the opponents, too, and both teams were, you know, just had offensive ratings through the roof last night. Um, and, and the Knicks were right there, too. They were just allowing uh, the Wolves even a, a better percentage than they than they were hitting. Um, I think so. Mostly, I think it was um, good offenses, just executing ball movement. Wolves had a ton of assists, over 30. It's always a great sign. Um, and just a uh, just a really good offensive performance that really, to me, came out of nowhere. Yeah, and, and getting, uh, starting, uh, you know, Conley and, and Gobert really starting to show that they have played together for years previously and, and getting on the same page, it really looks as though Conley has become the orchestrator out there pretty quickly. I mean, it's not that easy to do, come over at the trade deadline and take over running a team, but boy, he has done it well. Well, he has, he's such a pro, and if you look on social media, you can see the video that Timberwolves posted. of. Uh, so Mike Conley joined me on the post-game show last night, which was right outside the, uh, the locker room. And so he comes back into the locker room. So everybody else is still there. He goes to each and every player and goes through the elaborate handshakes that he's got with each guy. Um, You can tell that he's got respect. He's got, um, you know, just, 
just uh, he's he's a veteran leader who everybody likes, and and he he he's exactly who you think he is. He, this guy that's just been a consistent pro like his entire career. Mm-hmm. Tremendous success in high school, tremendous success on the floor um, in college at Ohio State, and then and then to the NBA with Memphis and Utah, and now Minnesota. Um, and it's interesting since he's come over. You know, he hasn't. He's only been averaging. Uh, he had 11 assists last night, but he's, before that, he was only averaging 4.9 assists per game. Mm-hmm. He's almost kind of just fit into this system that Chris Finch has, which you know, Kyle Anderson's kind of been the leading assist guy. Anthony Edwards has been leading in assists. Um, he's almost played sort of an off-ball role and scoring a little bit more. He had the 28 points in one game, which was a season high. So um, he, he's had some big nights scoring the basketball. He knows. He knows what it takes to win games, and if it means him scoring or if it means him distributing, um, he's happy to do both. It's just um, he's been he's been really refreshing. A little right-handed. And, 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 and Todd, the other thing you brought up, Gobert. I think yeah. his yeah. his impact on Gobert cannot be understated. Rudy has got such a confidence level and a comfort level now with Mike Conley. It's 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 absolutely noticeable, and it's no surprise that since the trade deadline, uh, Rudy's had his he's he's had his best couple of weeks or months of the uh, of the season. And he's an unselfish player, Gobert. I'm watching the game last night. He catches the ball in the lane on kind of a semi-break. It's, I don't know, around the yeah. four or five-minute to play mark. And he's in a bad spot. If he's a he selfish is. player and tries to dunk, he, he's going to get an offensive foul. He beautifully Absolutely. pulls up ball exactly seven foot two. Yeah, shovels the ball off to the right. A nice little play by Gobert there. And it was funny because he got the ball, I thought, in a really – you don't want to kind of give him the ball in that situation. Yep. He was, yep. like, just inside the free throw line. Yeah. And I think he took a dribble or, or just – he and Jalen Brunson saw it, and Jalen Brunson was jumping in front of him. He's like, I'm going to take this charge. Like, this is going to hurt, but I'm going to get – you know, I'm going to get the offensive foul on him. I'm going to get the turnover. Uh, but Ru- you're right. Rudy just definitely just passed it to his right and easily – you know, he can get three, four, five assists a game. He does He does want to move the basketball. He – he sees how well it all works when the ball is zipping around. That's when the Wolves are at their best, like most teams. Um, you know, good pass, you know, pass up a good shot for a great shot. Keep that ball moving, that .5 mentality. Drive it, shoot it, or pass it. It's funny. I was looking at the stats just now at the box score of last night's game, and I see, gosh, he only had, uh, you know, we only had 34 rebounds in the game. And I remember, oh, that's, you know, when you make so many shots, there's a lot fewer rebounds uh, to go around. But, boy, that's an area where, you know, once Cat gets back, don't you think this will be a good rebounding team? I mean, they haven't been a great rebounding team yet, however. No, and they weren't early when they had yeah. Cat and Rudy. So, I mean, the, the hope is there that – that you get stronger performances on the glass, but it just hasn't developed. Um, and that seems like such a long time ago that Kat and, and Rudy were playing yeah. together, um, but, you know, all the way back to October and November um, when Kat went down late in November in, in Washington. But, um, yeah, the, the hope is there that, that you can solidify the glass. But, I, you know, at this point, I think it's um, – you just you're, you're, the, the Timberwolves have been one of the worst rebounding teams in the league. They get continually out rebounded by, uh, you know, their bottom five in the league, minus three re, three rebounds per game differential. And so, um, yeah, maybe it improves, but it's uh, it's kind of a, you are who you are at this point. And, um, you know, it's it's funny. I, I keep track of rebounding, and it just doesn't seem like rebounding overall kind of matters as much as it used to. Mm-hmm. It's not the it's not the indicator of winning that it used to be. I would say that, you know, offensive rebounds make a big difference of a team. And the Wolves have seen this. When they've given up big offensive rebounding nice to their opponents, a lot of second-chance points, that's that's crucial. But uh, winning that rebounding battle, I think if the Wolves are just competitive in that area, um, then then they're in good shape. And I think they were I think they were even last night. So that's 
uh, that's that's pretty good for them. You know, at this time of year in March when the NCAA tournament is going on, and I'm a more of an NBA fan than I'm a college fan, you can't watch everything after all, and I prefer to watch the game played at its highest level. And But I have a lot of college basketball friends, and this is the time of the year they're kind of all over me about it, and they mention the defense in the NBA. There isn't any. And I said, why, how do, why do you say that? Well, look at the number of points. But there's so many possessions. And I'll, I'll say this. The, the game has never been more highly skilled. I mean, I can't, the guys that can hit shots from three-point range, pull-ups in the lane, the skill of the game has never been better. I mean, there's a lot of guys who can score the ball right now. Each and every play, each and every team has multiple players that are um, that are intriguing. That uh, to me, that are must see. Like mm-hmm. I just pick a team, and, and even some of the young teams, the Houston's, the the Utah's, the uh, the Orlando's of the world. These guys are these guys are fun to watch. And you're right, the skill level is at its highest level, and the game is being played faster, mm-hmm. and there's more scoring than ever. It's um, and it's because of that. It's because of the constant up tempo. Uh, pace of the game shots are going up yeah there's there's you know 105 possessions in a game there's there's some big numbers um and i i just find it yeah i'm, I'm with you i i find it the most enjoyable i don't watch a lot of college basketball anymore it's too bad i used to i mm-hmm. used to really like college basketball i grew up watching big east basketball back in the you know john thompson lou carnesecca roly massimino pj carlissimo over at seton hall uh, I can remember Rick Pitino being at Providence, Jim Calhoun, Jim Bayheim, all these Big East coaches. That was that was that's the basketball I grew up on. I, and then and then I kind of got into the Celtics a little bit growing up in the Northeast during the '80s. But um, you know, college basketball was always big. And I I don't find myself watching it at all. And even the you know I look up at the uh, March Madness the other night, and I'm you know I'm like, I, I didn't even know who's in it. I'm not filling out brackets anymore. I've really I've really kind of lost interest in it. But that's probably just because I'm so focused on the NBA. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you have something to do after all. It's not like you're not seeing any basketball. So Atlanta at home tomorrow and then out west. But, you know, the one good thing is you do get Golden State. That's a team they're trying to chase. Uh, You know, Sacramento, Phoenix, maybe out of their reach a little bit. And then the Lakers at home coming up. Some of the teams that are in that fight with six different teams from 6 to 12, they do get a chance to play them. It might be on the road, but it could help themselves at least. Yeah, that's been the other interesting thing. This uh, Wednesday wraps up eight straight against the Eastern Conference. I yeah. mean, it's just like it, we haven't played a West team in a while, which is just strange, especially at the end of the season mm-hmm. when it seems like all these West teams are battling one another and we're off playing the Atlantas of the world and going to New York and Toronto and all these places. But, um, yeah, it's, it's you know, Golden State is an awfully tough matchup for the Wolves, especially on the road in Golden State. They've not had a lot of success there. Um, I love the way they've played against Sacramento. Uh, they've beaten them two out of the three times, and the one time the Kings won was uh, the second of one of those two-game series at Target Center where, you know, your your advantage is just taken away on that second game. It's just a really um, – I thought the Kings really benefited from having played the Wolves just two nights earlier. And I bet you if that was on a different – they should probably should have won that game. It was an overtime loss. Um, one of four the Timberwolves have had this season. They're just one in four in, in overtimes. But um, I, I really like their matchup against Sacramento. I'm interested to see how this one goes. Sacramento had a bad loss last night against Utah. They're they're pretty much solidified up there in that top four. Uh, I think Memphis jumped yep. over them to get into that second seed again. But, um, you know, in Phoenix, we haven't seen them in a while. And who knows if, uh, I guess, Kevin Durant's probably still out. But, um, you know, Phoenix has been a tough place to play as well. So it's, um, you know, no matter who you're playing, every night now becomes um, – the most important game and it starts when it starts tomorrow night it starts against Trey young 
let's hope uh, let's hope the, the Hawks play a lot like they did last week against the Wolves when it looked like they didn't really enjoy playing with Trey Young. That was a, that was a disorganized group, and Quinn Snyder just took over a couple of weeks ago has a, a big path ahead of him because Trey Young is uber talented, but he's gone through three head coaches in five years, and it looked to me on the floor like nobody liked to play with him. That's yeah. the way that game looked the other night. So hopefully that continues tomorrow. Alan, thanks so much. You got it, Todd. Thank you. Todd and Friends podcast is brought to you by Heritage Bank, member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at KWLM, 1340 AM and 96.3 FM.